In business, there are people who just show up, do their jobs, watch the clock, and punch out. You don't get as much performance out of team members who don't find value in their work and are just trying to fulfill basic needs. However, if that same person is working for a well-run business with good processes and development of people, they can find purpose in what they do and take pride in how they do their jobs. I will never forget Darren, a salesperson who ended up at my lunch table on his first day of work. I was the CEO of Defenders at the time, and he asked me directly, what is the one most important thing I need to do to be successful here? I told him to get a passport. I explained to Darren that he would learn about the process for making sales and being deliberate about his work and growth. This would lead him to awards and opportunities to travel the world. What I didn't know was that Darren didn't have a home or a car at the time. Four years later, I got an email from Darren one day at 5 a.m. He wanted to share what that first conversation had done for him. Darren got his passport, the passport to an amazing journey of becoming his best self. He began winning sales very quickly and was able to move into an apartment close to the office. In the course of five years, he had taken a Sales Superstar Award trip every year and used his passport every time. The morning he emailed me, he was sitting at the airport and was on his way to his third mission trip in the Dominican Republic to build a home for a family who didn't have one. He was at a low point in his life when we had that first conversation. By counseling him to get a passport as a tool for success, I was saying in my own way, you've got what it takes. You can win here. Let's plan to win and prepare ourselves this way. This is Here We Grow, a show for growth-minded leaders looking for transformational impact, hosted by Marsha Barnes. Darren's story is a case study of the impact that this kind of transformative leadership can have. In this episode, Marsha speaks with Mike Lance, founder of True You, an exclusive community of companies which believe their people are what make them successful. Mike and Marsha met during their days at Defenders, along with Darren, and in this conversation they reminisce on how transformational leadership impacted the business's bottom line and how you can start implementing crucial cultural touchpoints to do the same in your business today. Mike, I really appreciate you being in the story with Dave and all the things we were doing at Defenders. And part of what Here We Grow is really talking about is transformation. Yeah. And at the surface, it might look like transforming the value of your business, transforming your earnings, things like that. But when you really get into it, it's much broader and deeper than that. It's about the transformation of human beings. We approached you about coming and joining us at Defenders. Yeah. We needed you pretty bad. Now, I'm thinking at the time we were about $80 million in revenue, but some things that happened on the sales side that caused a growth plan, we were going to see growth of about two, 220 million yeah. over the next couple of years. And we did not have any official development of our people in place. So we were hiring managers from the outside and our people are not 
getting promoted. And that was a problem as Dave saw it and as I saw it too. I'm a big believer that you got to have a strategy. You got to, you know, everything else is just a wish and a prayer. Mm -hmm. And so uh, hearing what you guys really wanted to accomplish, what we wanted to accomplish at Defenders, the first step was really putting a strategy into place and saying, if we want to go to half a billion in five years, how are we going to do that from a talent perspective? And so um, it was our pleasure to be able to put together a, a strategy, which included the leader and training program, um, to, to be able to figure out how to get there. You know, I, I talk with a lot of companies that are clients of yours or they belong to TrueU, which is under your leadership mm. today. And I hear about the same types of growth going on for their people and their business as I've been used to seeing from you over the years. There's some strategies behind that. Like we're always trying to align the marketing strategy with the business strategy. Mm -hmm. How do you do that for clients? How would you tell people who are listening to think about their development strategy as they go forward? Yeah, we um, we see everything as overall business planning, having three legs to a stool. It's like three legs of a stool. The first is the overall business strategy. What do you do? What do you sell? And so it's what they sell at what pricing, what's the marketing strategy, those types of things. And most organizations have that down. You know, they understand whether it's through an EOS model or scaling up or some other type of business planning philosophy, they have that down. The second leg that we typically think of is the financial leg. How are they going to be able to pay for all of the things that they want to do in the first leg? And that might be raising money. It might be uh, organically through revenue generated in the organization. It could be taking on other investors. And, but usually what's missing is the third leg, and that is how are we going to make sure that we have all of the people we need um, on our team who are high uh, core value aligned people who understand their job and understand how that they contribute to the organization. And they miss that piece of it, and then they wonder why they don't achieve the goals that they, they set out to achieve because they didn't have the team to go do it. Right. Um, I'm a huge baseball fan. I know that you are as well. And you know, at the end of the day, usually in a seven-game series, the team with the best players and the best coaches, they win. Right. And I feel the same way about business. If you have the best players and the best coaches on your team, you're going to win in the game of business. But you have to think it through and create a strategy for how you're going to make sure that you have all of those people on your team. And it can't just happen overnight. It's not like you can wake up one day and say, let me go get the best people. Right. It's a process. Yeah, you spent a lot of time helping us understand that we couldn't microwave a leader. That's right. It was more of a crock pot. Some people are going to pick up some things pretty quickly, but getting the whole of the whole person and yeah. the whole job developed takes yeah. time. Right. And we had an interesting dynamic at Defenders, if you if you recall, and we had a lot of conversations about this, is not only were we needing to develop leaders, but when you're doubling the size of your business every year, what you needed last year in a role is totally different than what you would need this year in a role when you are growing from 100 million to 200 million. A vice president of sales at 100 million is very different than a vice president of sales at 200 million. Right. So it, it introduced some unique challenges to us on how we were gonna develop those people. So we put a lot of stuff in the crock pot, but we turned the heat up because right. we, we had to get the crock pot cooked yeah. pretty quick. Yeah, in my world, I would think of it as, I gotta sprinkle some magic fairy dust over these yeah. folks and turn them into leaders quickly. A lot of prayer. Too, right. right. And when you came in, I mean, I could see hiring managers from outside the organization was not working. So I one day said, I'm not going to hire anybody else from outside of the business <clears throat> for this one division, right, which was sales. There was no reason why hmm. out of 500 salespeople that we couldn't find a percentage of those that could be developed and moved into management. 
So I started working with those people who looked like they had the potential to be leaders, but I didn't know what to do with them. So we just created little book clubs all over and it, it worked, you know, I mean, we had people that were getting promoted out of that. It was a start, but it kind of created the seed of what if we had somebody doing this that really knew what was going on. The people were hungry. They had shown the ability to grow, right? Now bring in the system. So in that scenario, we weren't really funding L&D the way that we should. So you're out in the marketplace talking with businesses to try and get this fixed in their business. From the marketing perspective, they're typically either spending money already or they aren't spending any at all. And so how do you see that when you show up on the client side of the investments that businesses are making in their people? And then what should we, how should we be thinking about that as making investments in our people? Yeah, the first thing is we find that people either get it or they don't get it. Like they either understand the value of their people in their business. Um, We talk about all the time that we're looking for organizations to influence where the leaders see their people as the greatest strategic advantage they have to grow their business. And that's the way we felt at Defenders. And you either feel that way or you don't. And if you do feel that way, then we want to continue the conversation. And then it's about finding in your first year, what kind of investment can you make? Um, it's not going to be the defender level of investment. Right. Um, in, and so what can you do to just get started? Because that's really what happens is once you start get, to get started, then the thing kind of takes off and it starts to self-fund. We were spending a lot more in leadership development the day I left Defenders than the day I got there. Right. But it was self-funded by the enablement that the leadership development department created mm-hmm. for the rest of the business. Right. Um, so percentage of revenue of what we were spending was about the same mm-hmm. over all of that time, but we were just creating a return on the investment. And that's what I encourage businesses to do. You can't go boil the ocean right away. You know, it's start small and then just start growing it and building it and let the results self-fund the next year's worth of leadership development and culture tools and things like that. So Mike, a common thing we see happening in these conversations about people development is the focus on professional development or personal development. Um, because if you ask people, they'll tell you, I want to know what I need to do to get promoted and, or get paid more. Um, but is that the whole of what we're dealing with in development? How do you look at that professional versus personal development? Well, I think at Defenders, we're ahead of our time yeah. relative to that because it's table stakes today right? where you have to invest in the whole person and not just uh, the work person. And, you know, back in Defender days, we provided personal financial resources for people to be able to learn through people like Pete the Planner. Mm -hmm. We provided education on how to grow your relationships, how to be a better parent. And so we did it because it was the right thing to do. Right. But then there was also a business motive behind it because it was really impossible for a sales rep, for example, to come into a call center, receive 15 calls in a day and really do the best job they can do protecting our customers when they just had a huge argument with their spouse in the morning or when their cell phone's blowing up with bill collectors. And so I think the business case is, is really simple. The better your people can become in all aspects of their life, the more they're going to serve your business. There's a True You member, one of the original True You members, um, who said to me one time, he said, um, whenever people, their performance blows up at his company, it's never because they don't know what they're doing professionally. It's always because they can't manage their personal lives. That's great. And um, I think that that's an important part of it. And a lot of businesses, they're just like, that's their personal life. This is our business life. But all lives, and we can thank COVID for kind of bringing this home for us, are integrated. Right. Um, you know, for a year or so or more, we saw your kids, your dogs, your what you were having for lunch. You had right. 
you know, we saw inside of your house. And Sometimes we, we saw to, more than we wanted to see. <laughs> true that. Yeah. So we have to look at everybody as a whole person. Yeah. And the good news is that that's what the employee of today expects. Right. And they're not going to go to a company that sees them any differently. Yeah. We believe that defenders, that we wanted growth-oriented learners to be a part of our organization. Right. Mm -hmm. We believe that we could learn our way out of any challenge. Right. Um, and I still believe that today, and I know that you be you believe it right. as well. That's why learning was such a big part of it. One of the and when we were sitting down, really looking at our core values at Defenders, we didn't want to create something aspirational. We wanted to look at our organization and say what's already here. And I remember we had some conversations with Patrick Lencioni, mm -hmm. you know, around right. this. And and one of those things was growth and learner. And the mm -hmm. the the story that hinges that core value is when you and Dave woke up one day and the no-call list had come out. Yep. Why don't you tell that story? Sure. It was in 2003. Um, we're two separate businesses, Dave and I, and we were providing leads for a sales team um, through outbound calls. Um, we, were, we had a call center. We're on the phone dialing and setting appointments for Dave's salespeople. We had grown the business to $25 million in revenue on this dependency of mm -hmm. this one marketing channel. And I kept saying, this is going to be damaging. I don't know if we'll be able to pull this out, Dave. And he said, oh, I think it'll be fine because the people who buy on the phone, they'll, they won't go on the no-call list. And the people who don't buy, they'll go on the no-call list. And it worked just the opposite. <laughs> people who knew that they would say yes more than they wanted to on telemarketing seemed to be the ones that went on, on the no -call to the call center yeah. because the close rate to appointment just dropped drastically. Yeah. The lists were not as big. Yeah. So we could see that we needed to make the phones ring in. And so we merged the two businesses together. I came on board as the director of marketing. Neither Dave nor I knew anything about marketing. But his philosophy was that if we tested and found things that worked, then we could grow those programs that worked. And we were going out to every DMA con conference we could find. We were reading books. We were, we were talking to other people who made their phones ring in to get ideas from them. We met companies like Bob Massey's Marketing mm -hmm. Informatics that yeah. helped us, and Valpac, and Velasis, and uh, all the all the things. Reach Magazine was one something that was a big deal then. And this is way before the internet, you know, and um, and that was the impetus that trying to manage that change um, was the impetus to be able to get ahead of the competition yeah. in that space, right? Yeah. So you had to learn your way through it. We did, and yeah. and, and you did, and. I know this was true when I, the day I left Defenders, which was in 2017, that we had nearly a million calls coming in to that call center every right. single year. So from no inbound calls to a million calls in, you know, 15 years, is, right. that's pretty impressive. So, Mike, as you have people coming into TrueU and ML Talent Strategies, what are the parts of the culture or the culture overall that people need to be focused on developing? Whenever we look at culture development, we look really at four key areas. And then I'll, I'll give the four key areas and then I'll zero in on one. One is organizational clarity, which is really about who are you as an organization? What matters to you as an organization? What are you trying to accomplish? And what is everybody's unique role in the organization in helping you accomplish that? And that all has to be crystal clear from the CEO throughout the entire organization. The second area is talent attraction. And that's more than just, most people think about it as just recruiting, but it's more than that. It's about how is your organization perceived in the marketplace, not as a consumer brand, as much as an employer brand. 
there's lots of resources out there today where people can research organizations and determine, do I want to go to work for that organization? Do I want to give my precious time and talents to that organization? And so they have to be thinking about that as well. Talent development is always a big bucket. Um, how are you developing the whole person inside of an organization? And then the fourth thing is the talent experience. What's it going to be like? What's the experience that someone is going to have inside of, of your organization? People need to feel that. They need to understand it. And it needs to be very intentional um, as to what that's going to be. I'm going to zero in on the, the organizational clarity piece of it because um, I think it's very difficult to build a great culture when you have people in your organization that are not culturally aligned with your organization. And the uh, EOS model has a really great tool. It's called the People Analyzer. Mm -hmm. And it really identifies whether or not somebody is culturally aligned with your organization based on your core values. And then do they get their job? Do they want their job? And do they have the capacity to do it? They call it GWC. And so do they get what really needs to be done in their job and how that contributes to the organization? Do they actually want to do that job? And do they have the capacity to do it? And the capacity isn't necessarily time. It's more capability um, to, to do it as well. So um, I think that's a great place for to start because it's hard to build a great culture when you have people that aren't aligned with the culture that you want. Right. You just showed the massive importance of the organizational clarity piece of, of developing your culture. Um, you know, I used to roll out in every single meeting and go through that document every time. I mean, it was a standard operating procedure. Yeah. So we have to make sure that we're not making those decisions and those determinations and that feedback based on us. We have to do it based on our team. Right. And, and how much they've heard it. And so... There's that, and then there is, as you get, you know, as a copy of a copy of a copy starts to blur at some point, at least once a year when they're leveling up at the national convention, everybody's hearing it come straight from the CEO's yeah. lips, right? Yeah. Which helps you keep aligned on how the other VPs, directors, managers are talking to that as well. Yeah. yeah. And you've got to keep talking about it, and you have to keep modeling it and showing it. It's not something you roll out one time and then be done with it. Right, right. You know, years ago, I was at an educational event for CEOs, and the, the HR director who really helped exact target as they were scaling, mm -hmm. he came in and presented on this day, and he said, um, the company culture is what it is on the day you get there. There are good things about a culture, and there are bad things about the culture. And the, your job as a steward of the culture, no matter what position you're in in that business, is to lift up that which is good manage, correct, fix what's broken. You're always going to have some good, some bad. You want to lift up the good and, and reduce the impact of the bad as much as you can. Yeah, for sure. In our business at Valve and Meter, we go out to market and say, we're going to hit a return on marketing spend. For every dollar you put in, you're going to get this many dollars back. The, we have a great culture here. The, the difficult part could be the pressure to produce that return on marketing spend. Yeah. And how, how so, so what I'm trying to do is help us learn and coach and adapt to be able to handle that thing that can be friction, right? Yeah. What are you seeing in those types of things, common good and culture, the things that work against it? We have to say, what are the unchangeable, unwavering parts of culture? Right, yeah. Okay? But then we have to be flexible yeah. in the other parts of culture, listen to our employees and our team members. And I think sometimes we were too rigid. Yeah. And, um, and I encourage leaders that, Find the things that are just table stakes, this will never change, that sort of thing, and make sure that those aren't like double-digit things. Right. Like 
It's a few things that you go, this is who we are, mm -hmm. and I'm not changing that. Right. But be open to evolving your culture. 2010's culture in any organization isn't going to work in today's culture. No, not even close. But yeah. there are a lot of leaders that say, hey, it got us here. Mm -hmm. It's got to be able to get us there. And right. that's not the case. Right. Mike, you've talked about a lot of great things here that I know work, and I've seen up close and personal the effect and impact that they have on businesses and people. How can our listeners get in touch with you to learn how they could implement and work with these tools that you offer? Yeah, well, first off, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, so Mike Lance, and it's L-A-N-T-Z, um, and so you can find me there, or you can check out TrueU.com, that's T-R-U-E-U.com, or MLTalentStrategies.com, and... Uh, We'd love to have conversations with people. Thank you for joining us for Here We Grow. This show is proudly brought to you by Valve and Meter Performance Marketing. Be sure to check out the show notes for exclusive content that will help you become a more transformational leader, like Marsha's Ceilings and Curveballs Worksheet. For more, visit valveandmeter.com.